0: Happy Wednesday. Part of me really wants at some point to just keep all my bloopers and my intros because I start it and I just go on random tangents and then I I, I don't even know what I'm saying. Hello. Uh, one day I'll put them all in one place. My name is Emily Schraum. Welcome back to Meathead Hippie Podcast. I am your host, uh, trainer, nutritionist, serial entrepreneur, keeping my plate full, but that's great because I'm always hungry. So, uh, stoked that you're here. And that's hypothetical. Cause if you're always hungry slash hangry, then we need to talk about your diet. Hashtag M-Fit I hope you're enjoying the don't overthink it challenge. Um, two times, two weeks ago, I did a really fun mindset clip that I think you'll be really into last week. I had an incredible podcast with Caroline Burkle an Olympic athlete who just talks so much about identity in a very vulnerable, powerful, raw way. That I'm so grateful for. And this week I wanted to switch gears slightly, still talking about the things that make us a little bit uncomfortable money. So this is Amy Westbrook the Money Mojo Coach, an internationally certified life coach, speaker, professional money coach for Capital One, which is where I met her. And I'm doing a free event at Capital One on February 20th here in Denver. Capital One Cafe, mark your calendars. I would love to see you all there. Clients work with Amy to up-level their money beliefs, create rich habits, and better align their resources of time, energy, and money to fast-track their success. She has developed a unique process fusing science with the soul to provide financial harmony and well being for burned out professionals. By helping people become confident, financially savvy role models, Amy hopes to reverse the cycle of money stress for our future generations. Bam! Get stoked! this podcast is great. Super basic things that we all need to know. Like, why are we a nut job with money? Why do we feel weird about saying that we want money or that we want it to be our goals? Why do we get ourselves in debt sometimes? Why do we can't, why can we not say no to the shoes that are on sale? Why do we have all this fear associated with starting our own business or investing in money? All of these questions shall be answered. And I am so grateful that you're here. So, Thank you for listening to me at a podcast. All of my things, if you're interested, if you're new to me, or if you're just curious about what's going on, um, com slash blog is where you can find all show notes, fully transcribed, and also all the things that I'm doing kind of off the, off the M fit path, right? So nine news clips, nine new segments. Um, I have a couple of new podcasts that just came out, Lionheart Radio. And then there's a new one coming out with Ready Yeti. Lots of little things that catch me being the interviewee. If you are interested, all of that can be found on emilyshramcom slash blog. And that's all I got for you. Uh, I hope you guys have such a good, a good, good, fantastic week and a Wednesday. And um, keep crashing it. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie welcome to the show. Amy Westbrook, a money coach, a money expert, a money mojo, (laughs) money mojo coach. I love that you say that. Um, Welcome to the podcast. I think it's just the perfect time for my listeners, especially it's the beginning of the year, right? So they're ready to crush their goals, whether it's business or whether it's just getting out of debt, maybe for the first time. I think that it's just a perfect time to have you on the podcast. So thank you for making the time to come on. For
1: sure. Thanks for
0: having me. Yeah. I think, you know, when we talk about money, it's, you know, we can just jump right into
1: it. Why does money make people so
0: uncomfortable? Do you have a theory on this?
1: Well, I mean, I do, I think it is, um, I mean, it's taboo, right? Like we're taught not to talk about it and then there's a lot of shame around it. There's vulnerability around it. So for a lot of reasons, we don't want to bring it up. I mean, we live in an environment where we're always comparing ourselves on social media and putting yourself out there as uh, broke, having made a really dumb decision with your money. That's not really the stuff we like to advertise <laughs> Yep, totally. I think with you and your story, just a little
0: bit of context. um, Was there some changes that happened for you that got you really into helping others with talking about money? You know, it's such a dialed in audience. And so I'm sure there's some personal stories behind how you had your own journey with money. And now you are, that's your job is helping others kind of navigate that world.
1: For sure. And you know, I actually see it as happening in two steps. So step number one was, you know, coming out of grad school. So I'd mentioned, you know, I have my MBA, but your MBA doesn't really set you up for personal finance, right? And so I, I graduated, had a great job, and my dad wrote me this letter. And I'm gonna paraphrase it, but the gist of it was that you're making good money now. Don't be an idiot invest. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. All right. Well, I better figure out this investing thing. Right. And so not, you know, knowing that side of it, I literally just took myself to the library and started researching and started reading books. And that would raise a question. And then I would read another uh, book that would answer that question. And I started um, talking with some folks. People that were willing to talk with me, I should say that. That's, it's not a topic that a lot of people um, really wanted to play around with me on. Um, now, I became what I, I'd say kind of an expert in that. And inside of my corporate job, I became a person that was known as like a money lady. I could answer your money questions. How does the 401k work? How much house can you afford? So I was ment- mentoring people in that area. And then, you know, fast forward to me leaving my corporate career and launching my coaching business. Um, I'm a certified life coach and I'm coaching all these uh, folks and they're having these epiphanies and they're finding their purpose and they're all excited about what's possible, but they put the brakes on and they kept telling me, yeah, but I, I mean, I could never afford to do that. And so I just realized people had all these limiting beliefs around money. And they had poor skills around money. And so you, they just didn't really have what they needed to move forward in a bigger way. And that's when I decided to step into the money coaching space. I just It's, it's a spot that a lot of people aren't talking about, especially women. I love it. And it's so true. I mean, this has been a requested podcast. So when I met
0: you at the Capital One event, I was like, yes, her, she's the one. I love this. (laughs) And I love that you have the two sides of it, right? So you have this, such an intelligent, you know, the MBA background or whatever it is, just you yourself, just being a smart human, but also this emotional component, the neuroscience background, um, how we make money and, how emotional money can be and sometimes i feel like that's just missed out like it can either be the typical uh kind of whether it's the finance role of a plus b equals c that it just forgets that there's so much more into it especially if you own your own business how much
1: emotion is involved oh yeah for sure well and i actually think that's the missing component right is what's put out there it's very linear that, you know this is how you budget, you know this is how you do math, this is how you buy a stock. What's missing is all the stuff that leads up before that, and it is it's the emotional stuff. it's the psychology just psychology like but I also find it's the biology of money mm-hmm. and I mean really no one's talking about that, but we we need to be looking at it because we are wired chemically to respond in certain ways around reward and risk, um, you know, a a windfall of money, losing money. Um, you know, that's why we tend to make decisions sometimes that seem illogical. (laughs) Why did I do that? But knowing that a lot of times it's just our biology that drove us to that decision. Can you address that a little bit more for somebody that might not be
0: familiar with how the brain functions around kind of like fear of money or fear of scarcity, or even what you said, biology of money. Can you address that a little bit more?
1: Absolutely. So I guess the easiest way to explain it is our caveman brain is wired to avoid risk. And Hey, that was fantastic. Back in the good old days when there were saber tooth tigers trying to jump out and grab us, that's great. Mm-hmm. But in you know, the modern day, we don't really have those risks, and so our brain i 'm going to say misfires and categorizes something as a risk or a potential loss of money that's just not true and A particular example is something that they call a cognitive bias, and that 's just saying that we are literally biased to act in a certain way, and um loss aversion is the one that comes up a lot inside of money coaching and that and a great example um Is when you let's just say you head over to Nordstrom's and you just see that fabulous pair of boots. They were normally two hundred dollars, and today they are on sale for seventy five dollars. Well, instead of registering that as a seventy five dollar purchase, your brain actually registers it as a hundred and twenty five dollar loss if you don't buy the boots. (laughs) And so, I mean. What Who would leave one hundred and twenty five dollars on the table? You have <laughs> to buy the boots, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so people ask me, why do I have all this stuff hanging in my closet with the tags still on? That's why
0: That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> interesting. I think that, like with business decisions it, and also what you said, kind of the flipped of it, how terrifying it is to make that plunge, right, to start your own business to maybe invest in the initial inventory you need to get it going. I mean, I remember the first time I had to buy t-shirts, you know, this is like 2010 and I wanted to create some t-shirts. I was like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, you, you know, you put so much money into it. It was like my first experience of investment. Right. And understanding that concept is such a hard thing. And I'm curious, do you, is it good just to know that it's not, Crazy to feel so claustrophobic about money. Is that one of the steps in like helping people with their relationship
1: with money to help them feel less crazy about it? Absolutely. When you understand how you're wired and how your brain works, a lot of times you catch yourself, right? Like, you know, you're in the store and you're thinking, I have to have this. And you're like, wait a minute. And it's something that I call the power of the pause. Mm. Do I really need this? And that's um, what we're not doing a lot of times is pausing. And letting our logical brain catch up with our emotional brain, and when you take that time to ask yourself, now is this purchase? Does this really align my financial goals, like long term? Probably not. <laughs> and it just gives you that moment to say, wait a minute, this is this is just going to rack up credit card debt. Like this isn't getting me uh, closer to my goal. It's not an investment. Which you know the t-shirts, that's different. That's an investment. Um, but I think the the trick there is not only knowing, you know, biologically what's going on, but refocusing your brain on the long-term, why we're, you know, why are you doing this in the first place? Because we're, again, we're not wired to look long-term. We're wired in the short-term and given the field that you're in, I mean, you know, this people want chocolate now mm-hmm. <laughs> over broccoli. Let's just face it it's Not as good as a piece of chocolate. Um, we're not thinking long term. You know, we do that every single day. It's going to impact our health, and you know, it's going to impact our bottom line when we do it with our money. But we're we're just not thinking that way. I, and
0: it's really that fear that we talked about. I mean, you had a great blog post on um, your Money Mojo blog about kind of saying how fear, like running away from it how beneficial that is. And I just know how hard that can be. Right. Cause it feels, it feels so real when you're mm. about to, you know, swipe the card and you're, it is something that's an investment, right? So it is something that you have to do, whether it's inventory or whether it's the education for your next thing. Um, you know, there's all these, all these little things that add up. And I think it just paralyzes people. How do you help people cope with that, that fear that is so intuitive for our our body?
1: Well, I think it's just getting people really, um, I'm going to say proactive versus reactive. A lot of our money spend is reactive. We, you know, we're not really thinking we're impulsive. Um, but especially around our business or our long-term goals. I mean, we're building out a vision for where we want to take um, our life, take our business, and there's some steps to get there. And when you know that that investment, um, whether it's the T-shirts, if it's the coaching, if it's um, you know, hiring a VA, whatever that is, is the step to get you to the next goal. Um, going to ease some of that, I'm going to say fear um, that bubbles up for folks. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really being on the proactive end and having a lot of clarity. I think it's when the lack of clarity, um, or when clarity is missing, that's where like, God, is this really a, a right first step? Well, we don't know because we don't know where we're trying to go. Like, and I think that's the problem in a lot of, you know, especially early on in business, right? Every opportunity looks good everyone. Oh, I should buy this. I should invest in this. I need a flashy website. I'm going to get me some fancy business cards. I need an office space. We think we need all of this stuff because we don't have a real clear vision of like, um, where we're going. And we may not really know our numbers. I mean, that's a whole other thing, right? Is what's the thing that's going to bring in some money. That's going to help me pay some bills. (laughs) Um, we're swayed by the all the, the flashy stuff, the stuff that's fun in a lot of ways. Yeah. That
0: creative channel, right? Yeah. (laughs) the thing That allows you to the exciting part about being your own boss and the creativity. Totally. Uh, for somebody that's like when they first meet with you, uh, you know, I know you do some money coaching at Capital One. You also have such a great, you know, online business specifically for this, for women because of that missing piece. And I love what you wrote, like, the, even in your bio about helping people invest without losing themselves, because it, mm. it's like you have to choose, right? You have to choose analytical versus creative and practical versus creative. And when that's not the case. And so I love that that is such a piece of the work that you do. Do you start with, you know, when someone's like, I don't even know how to get clear, how do I have clarity in what I want when I know what I want to do per se, but I guess you know, think they ultimately have to think in the future, like, where do I see myself? Where do I go? What is that process like? Is it just sitting down and having them write it out? Is it
1: talking it out with you? How do you help people find that? We do eventually, but where I like to start with people is, um, just going back to that adage, know thyself. And a lot of the people that I work with have, I'll say lost themselves in a lot of ways. They, have bought into you know the American dream you go to school you get good grades you're going to get a good job and we don't really know what success looks like right so we jump into this job we start working uh we meet this guy next thing you know we're married we're having babies and it really starts the treadmill um you know you're building out a lifestyle that now you have to pay for Uh, You've got a mortgage, you've got car payments, and we don't stop to think about what does success really mean for me. And and you know, for a lot of people, that means getting refocused on what are your values, what's your purpose, what um, you know, what brings you joy. What are the relationships and the experiences that bring you joy? Because we're not really thinking in those terms, right? Like we see our neighbor pull up in a nice new Lexus and we think, God, that looks nice. I'd like to have one of those. You know, our house isn't big enough. We need a bigger house. <laughs> um, you know, all my friends' kids speak three languages. I need to get my kid in some school that, you know, where he can be fluent in Chinese before he's seven. Um, you know, we have a we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. And so that really is the first step is getting clear on what you want because of, you know, who you are. And for people that are, you know, late thirties, early forties, and we joke about the midlife crisis, but I think it's just a crisis of, you know, not knowing who they are and what they want. Yeah. Did you, and you experienced that too,
0: I kind of briefly, um, with your blog post saying, that was similar to your story, right? You were totally <laughs> climbing up the wrong success ladder. Do you feel that like, if you gave an example of what values were that really helped you switch into the role that you're in now? Cause I think that's so much of the question I get, right? It's like, we're so on the go on the treadmill and just out of touch with really what makes us happy that the things that we maybe list off for values, they feel silly. You're like, but I, I don't either, des- I don't deserve this or I, it's too late for that. Or how could I even make that something that is now a job or could be fulfilled through a job? You know, where would you even begin when you are so successful with the career that you had and then pivoting? What would be values that were, were like, this isn't, this doesn't exist and this is what I I deserve and I'm going to get?
1: Well, for me, um, I had have- a, a state of exhaustion. Like physically I was exhausted. I was traveling all the time. I was, if you looked up burned out in the dictionary, there was my face. Um, <laughs> um, I, I I'd really, and I wasn't enjoying my work anymore. And I think, you know, that's key. And I was lucky and I'm going to say lucky in that I have a wake up, had a wake up call, um, with my son, he was four years old. And I was literally trying to run out the door to the airport, you know, just, that was my usual thing. And he was just acting really weird that morning. And he came up to me and he just, he was crying and he just wrapped himself around my leg and he wouldn't let go. And I just remember looking down into his green eyes and he said, mommy, don't leave me again. Hmm. And I thought, wow, like timeout, this is not the life that you signed up for. Hmm. <laughs> and I cried all all the way to the airport. And I lamented when I got to my meeting. And it was funny. A gal had gone through a similar situation. And she said, you know, I just hired a life coach. And I said, man, I think I need something. I had no outside perspective. or I I didn't have like an inside perspective. I felt so overwhelmed. I was so tired. Um, I felt so lost. I wasn't sure where to get started. So I would say that was my personal starting point. Um, If if a life coach isn't in the cards for you, um, take three days off and go somewhere where you can just have some quiet and listen to your thoughts. Um, I ask my clients a lot of times, like, where are you jealous? Like, where do you see other people's lives? Oh, man, they're taking family vacations. I never do that well, okay, why are you not taking that time out for you? Because if you think about it, if they're going to rewrite their definition of success and they're going to honor their values, well, clearly family's a value. Family was a value for me. And that's, you know, I've lost touch with my priorities. Family had fallen pretty far down the list. Mm. And so it was, it's not easy to look yourself in the eye and say, wow, (laughs) I put all these other things first and it was like the, the analogy of the frog in the hot water. It just got, you know, ever so slightly the water kept getting warmer and warmer and warmer until all of a sudden, you know, you realize I, I mean, I'm burning to death. Like I'm struggling. I'm not living anymore. Like it has turned into survival at this point. Um, and, and how did that happen? And it's just getting quiet and maybe asking yourself that question, getting a coach, sitting down with a friend that knows you, um, having a conversation with your partner, like where did we get off track? And instead of just reacting to life, where can we be proactive? How can we set some goals? Maybe a a nice vacation with the family. Those are a couple of ideas. God, Amy, that's
0: powerful. I mean, and you can see this in any any extension of business, whether you're working for the man or working for yourself, right? (laughs) Right? So I noticed this, and this is such a huge epiphany I recently had where I was like, you know, you're, you're just so proud and your head is down and you're just doing, and you're just doing, Mm -hmm. doing, and, and then you realize like, okay, well, why am I doing so much? What am I doing all of this for? And it's such a reality check of, it doesn't matter, even if it feels like you're doing good and you're helping and you're creative or if you just are in a cubicle and you just feel a little claustrophobic, it's still the same thing. It's still just losing yourself with the, I think, the exterior motive of success or whatever that, you know, value is that we think is important. But it, in reality, it's so
1: not. <laughs> um, God, that's so good. Well, and you know what? Let's give ourselves some grace because at the end of the day, I think our... Our definition of success changes. I mean, when you get right out of you know college, or you know you graduate high school and you get a pretty good job and you start making money, there's a lot of freedom that comes with that, and that does feel like success. We just get in the habit of that being our pattern of success. And but you know, when we have um, a family, we have a house. We just we have different demands. We have different roles. And what didn't change was again, our definition. We just didn't give ourselves that opportunity. We just got too busy too fast to reevaluate. And so we have to give ourselves a time out and think about, again, not the stuff, but what are the experiences and the people that I want in my life today, five years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, what do I want my life to look like in 30 years? Um, You know, if you're doing what you love, you may work until the day you die truly. Um, but if you don't really care (laughs) for your position and you're unwilling to change it, well, you better start socking away some money so you can retire sooner rather than later. Um, you know, that's the question that a lot of people aren't willing to answer for themselves.
0: Mm. And I, this is going to be basically a life coach session with Emily and Amy, because for me, this is so, I feel like I'm, this is so great for me. I feel so blessed that I get a podcast with people like you. Um, I think, you know, so whether it's a position, so say we like check ourselves, right? We notice, we're like, okay, I went and I took some time and I clearly am unhappy. I am clearly in a place where this is no longer sustainable, right? The discount the discomfort is pushing me to do something and change something. Even though that's going to look different for each and every person, I still think something that I found gets so overwhelming is, well, where do you, oh. <clears throat> can you hear me? Okay.
1: Sorry. I lost you there for just a second. Okay.
0: Let me pull up, make sure this is all good. Um, even if you are, you know, regardless of where you are, I guess my question is what, where do you even begin? Where do you begin? Because you're so overwhelmed by the choices of, well, how do I make this change? Right? So I know that my, this doesn't line up with my values. I know that this is not sustainable anymore and I need to kind of re-pivot. I need to do something. I have to change something. What, what would be even besides if it's not talking to you or another health coach or a money coach, how does somebody not get overwhelmed in that process because it is such a big overhaul. It feels like it's like everything has gone to shit, right? How do I step yeah. back? How do I step back and take some steps into that role that I know I, I can get into, but man, it's overwhelming.
1: Well, I think again, it goes back to just giving yourself a little bit of grace and taking that time to realize like, what is the gap? Like in being real about where you are, right? That's, that's a hard part is to look at exactly where you are. But, you know, starting to at least play around with that vision of what that could be. And, you know, picking a couple of things. um, And, you know, I'll use myself as an example, I traveled quite a bit, yes, or last year. um, And I didn't do anything with my family. And again, you know, that started to feel a little bit disconnected. And so I'm trying to be very intentional about the places that I'm traveling this year and inviting my family to go with me. So, I mean, first of all, we're big travelers and I believe in, um, you know, sharing cultures that's, you know, part of our family values. And so, you know, that's one little thing that I can do to just making sure that I'm staying true to myself and I'm honoring my values and I'm fulfilled. I mean, when you're honoring your values, you're fulfilled. Uh, so I think, you know, the, the, kiss of death when this is happening is when you try and create too big of a change. And um, I'm actually gonna reference back a little bit. I listened to your podcast with James Clear, which by the way, I totally have like a mentor crush on him it's because amazing. he's so brilliant. <laughs> I love him. But, I do too. right He says to break down your goals he said of, instead of saying that you're gonna you know run three miles every day, he says that's just too big. The goal has to be to, um, or the habit has to be to um, you know, you're gonna wake up consistently at 5 30 a.m. and put on your running shoes. Yeah. That's the goal. That's the habit that you need to form. And so I, you know, once I have people understand and see what the mm-hmm. gap is, I literally ask them, what is one little thing that you can do? And I mean a little thing that can be done in a day. That's going to feel good. And it might be something as small as I'm just going to start scheduling like one massage a month. It's a baby step, but it's a big step towards self-care. And I also like people to pick an area where there's going to be some leverage. So think about it. You, you, um, if you start to take care of yourself, you have more energy. And if you have more energy, you show up differently at work. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, your habits really start to kind of build off each other. And, you know, another thing, where's an area where you can just say, no, I bet you a million dollars. We all have some commitments that are on our plate that, you know, the, the time has come to start saying no, maybe that made habit, uh, made sense for us five years ago, but it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Totally. and Or maybe, or maybe it's a should, oh, you know, I should, you know, be participating in my son's, um, you know, parent teacher organization. You know, if I wanted to be a good mom, that's what I would do. Well, maybe in order for me to be a good mom, I have to take that off my plate. So when my kid is actually sitting across from me, I can be present with him. Hmm. Um, that's
0: good. Cause it's true. It's, uh, I think for me, that's been also very similar to you. Like what travel did I do that I was really excited about? And I was like, Oh shit, not, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> like it was very intentional, but it was most of my travel was like, it became not as fun. And that's the whole reason I wanted to do this was to travel and feel excited and be on the plane and you know, get the butterflies and like that, you know, i missed that. And so that was something the nose have allowed that like every, every week at the beginning of the week, looking at my schedule, going down Monday through Friday in my calendar and being like, all right, does everything in this lineup feel good? And if it doesn't feel good, you know, being able to try to figure out, well, what can I do to not have that again? If I am already committed and I need to do it or to figure out is that should I just not have that happen? Um, How can I delegate that in a different way? So I think that's super important. And I do, it's hard because the, you know, business owners, they don't always have that luxury when they first start out, right? It's it's just kind of doing as much as you can because you don't have enough to pay for somebody to help. And you're kind of in that weird growing transition. Um, I would love to talk about the the work-life balance a little bit and how you feel like you've been able to tap into it and be able to at least help your clients tap into it a little bit more when it is either fresh new business and they're kind of doing it a little bit of everything, or it's just maybe their personality. And that's like, they're just, they're charging hard. Um, what are some ways to make sure that you're in touch with your self-care?
1: Um, well, you know, it's funny because like self care itself is an action, but I think you almost have to take it back a step before that. And look at what your beliefs are, because if your beliefs are that, you know, starting a business is hard, that entrepreneurs don't get sleep, um, you know, responsible, good business owners work seven days a week. What are your beliefs around what it means to be an entrepreneur? And are they healthy? (laughs) Um, Because if your beliefs are such, um, or if that's what you believe, that's how you're going to behave. You're going to burn out pretty fast. And I hear that all the, I mean, that's one of the first things I like I sit down with somebody, I'm like, what's going on? And like, well, you know, like, it's a fact that, you know, entrepreneurs have to do this. I know you have to do this. And I'm like, I don't know that to be true. That's your truth. <laughs> so I would say that, you know, maybe sit down with a, a, a friend or a fellow business owner that's you know, willing to chat with you about their business. And, you know, where have you drawn some hard and fast lines that maybe need to be erased (laughs) and moved? Um, And then the second thing, and and it's more practical is, you know, really what is the product? What is the service that's going to bring business through the door? And, you know, what is the, um, the funnel, what is the step that needs to happen? What is the marketing that needs to happen to make that transaction happen, right? Like, and so, you know, when you can focus in on the nitty gritty and you're not trying to be all things to all people, you know, chasing every flashy, shiny thing, you're really creating the space because you're saying no to a lot of stuff. Uh, you're, you're really opening the door to the opportunities that are going to allow you to build um, from the right place, like build foundationally. Um, I'm just going to say this, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say yes to something. It's going to feel like, you know, this is the path and maybe it wasn't. (laughs) I've done that. I think every entrepreneur I know has done that. Like you've made missteps but just giving yourself like a pause, a reflection period and, you know, don't wait and do it at the end of the year, do it throughout the year. Like every week, what went well, what's working, what's not working. And maybe I don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but maybe I need to tweak something. Um, it's just really getting in touch with what's working and what's not working. And <laughs> You know a lot of people think this is woo i I don't think it's woo at all. we but like woo we like woo here well, I, <laughs> funny. I'll tell people I'm like you, know, you really need to just like be with that decision. How does it feel? and you know how does it feel in your chest? Does your chest feel heavy? Does your throat feel like it's closing up? Does your stomach hurt? Can you feel your muscles tighten that's your That's your subconscious, which is pretty darn smart. Mm -hmm. Saying, "Mm, maybe this isn't the best yes for us right now. Maybe we just need to say no versus, you know, if you're not really thinking, if you're not being proactive, you're just being reactionary, you say yes to everything. And then you end up resentful, overwhelmed, and out of balance.
0: Which is the most like unabundant place to be, right? So you're just basically saying no to money, (laughs) Um, can you talk about, let's, I I do want to get into that a little bit, like how we kind of have this weird, you know, it's hard for people to set goals that involve money. I feel like just because of our society and culture, what we opened up with talking about how we aren't really said, we're not meant to talk about it, right? it's Something hush and quiet and, uh, I think it might might be connected for a lot of people with being brag, being braggy or uh, conceited. And I think that belief has limited a lot of people, right? So if they don't talk about money and if they are quiet about money or they're always thinking they don't have money, how quickly that can manifest into life and how it, that becomes your reality. And so changing that framework, if someone has a money belief and has a really hard time saying like, my goal for 2019 is to make this amount of money, or I want to have this amount of money in the bank account. Even if it's, you know, I don't know if it's $20,000 or if it's a hundred thousand dollars or if it's a million dollars, um, why do we have such resistance to that? And have you seen clients that have had that and how did they break through?
1: It's it all day long for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of twofold. Um, one is, gosh, if I set a goal for 20,000, what if I don't make it? And I'm like, well, yeah, what if you don't make it? We sort of have like this, um, all or nothing mentality. I'm either successful or I'm a failure. I either hit 20,000 or I fail. And so a lot of folks, I mean, this has just been shown around goal setting just in general. Like we don't want to set a goal. We would rather not do anything than set a goal where we might fail. (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, let's just say, so right now you're making 5,000. Let's say you set a goal for 20 and let's say you fall short and you team. That's still a $13,000 improvement. Like that's a success. And so I think we have to, you know, honor that that's a success. But, you know, I will say I do give my clients a little bit of wiggle room here. And, you know, a lot of times if you've got a program or, you know, you know, X amount of clients will equal X amount of dollars. I don't necessarily make them write a money number down if that's not meaningful to them. Maybe the meaning is how many people do you serve? Hmm and you know i'm going to serve 15 new clients inside um you know this new program that's my goal to get those 15 clients and so it's not about chasing a dollar it's about finding that ideal person that's going to be transformed by your service that's really different
0: yeah it does cuz it and it um for so many people, I think that feels safer, right? It feels it's humanizing money, whereas we have made it not human in so many ways,
1: right? Right. Um, now, I will say too, like there's kind of a flip side to that. Um, I'm it's, I'm all about the service. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you really serve people and you serve them well, the money will follow. Um, but if you have a limiting belief, this is where you have to kind of you know tiptoe around that a little bit. You know, you have to look at it: is it a limiting belief? that, you know, because this is your genius, because you like to serve, you shouldn't accept money for it. Mm. This is a stumbling block for a lot of, Oh, I don't want to charge them. Or, you know, she's my friend or, you know, we come up with these excuses. And so we have basically taken our business and made it a hobby. (laughs) Mm. So that's where, I mean, if that's the zone that you're getting into, that's not healthy. But if you're willing to drive business, you know exactly how you want to serve people um, and you're charging them for that, that's that's an okay goal, right? Because the money's going to follow. It's if you don't have a system for the money to follow, that's when you have to do some rewiring around your beliefs.
0: That's so good. I think that I definitely had a big journey with that where I was just kind of undercharging. And I have, you know, my main challenge is so affordable because I was like, no, I have to have this for anybody that has access to it. And someone, you know, I wanted just a non-negotiable, this is something that you could commit to. But if I made it, so, so many people were like, well, make it free, make it free. If it's, if it's $21, it might as well be free and then you'll get more people. But it's that transaction that commits, even if it's two cups of fancy coffee or three cups of fancy coffee $21 it allowed people to just commit to me in a way that I was willing to give back to them and if i had people come in for free which sometimes i do run those free programs it's just a totally different type of engagement it is such a it changes the whole transaction so that was really eye opening for me to understand that in almost that you know that infinity symbol right so if you're going right. to if you're going to give service, the only way for it to truly come back is if they also give to you. And that helped me understand. Um, My friend Lauren really helped me explain that in a way that was like, oh, that makes so much more sense why this feels good versus it feels, what you said earlier, resentful or just icky. Like they don't appreciate me. Well, why don't they appreciate you? Because I never allowed them to actually give back in the way that I'm giving them.
1: Right. Well, you know, and I think I found that when people pay, they play, Mm -hmm. I mean, they will show up, they'll do the work. And so, I mean, you're, you know, by charging people and by charging them, you know, a good amount of money, even you're really clarifying their commitment to work with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think it, it just honors them. It honors their journey now, I'm also not opposed to the free stuff. I think there's a time and a place for free. And if you're trying to build a tribe of people and you want to build that know, like, and trust factor, let them experience some of your stuff for free. Let them try you out. Let them see your personality. That's okay. Make it free. Give the value. And I, you know, if, especially if you really give some great stuff inside of that, people are excited to pay you like, holy smokes, if that's her free stuff, I can't imagine what her paid stuff is going to look like. That's going to be awesome. Totally. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think that there's a time and a place, like there's people that'll tell you like, don't do that. But I, I just, I, I say at the end of the day, go with your gut, you know, go what feels right. Yeah. Um, and you know, and how you interact with your particular people.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I do, um, one free challenge every um, every year, and it's like been so fun because it is so powerful as getting, you know, it's this risk free way for people to understand who you are and if it's a good mm-hmm. fit. So, totally agree with that. But also knowing the the time and place, and knowing with full intention what the final product is, what's the end goal with this? I think that's great yeah. what you said. Um, I and I really want to. I had a couple people in my Facebook group uh, mention about their goal being to get out of debt. And I just wanted to briefly touch on that before we wrapped up about your thoughts on debt and, you know, just kind of your perspective of when someone says like, that's my goal, I want to get out of debt. Or if they're not quite there where their goal is to get out of debt completely, um, what's a good starting place for that?
1: Um, that's interesting. And so it's funny, again, there's a lot of, I would say linear solutions to that, right? Like you just, you jump in, you put some more money, you pay down your credit card, like the debt is gone. But I would, I always, again, back it up a little bit. And how did you get yourself into debt in the first place? You know, a lot of times it's just like that one big purchase you had to make, like something went really wrong with your car. Um, You you had a, a health emergency. Those things pop up but for the most part it's just insidious it just sneaks up on us because we're buying a little bit here a latte there we hop on amazon you know we're just spending um unconsciously really boils down to and my step is is i really like people you know to get clear on their values i mean what do you truly want to spend your money on? What's going to excite you? And it's not a budget because the budget is, you know, where can I not spend? It just feels restrictive. It doesn't feel good. Whereas, you know, if you have a spending plan on the vacations, like the things that are exciting, it's easier to say no to some of that. I'll call it, you know, the FOMO stuff, right? It's hmm. your friends say you got to go to Cabo with us. It's going to be so much fun. And you're thinking, I don't want to miss out on that. I mean, I don't want to go to Cabo. I don't really have the money to go to Cabo, but I don't want to miss out. I mean, I want to be a part of the pictures, right? And so you go to Cabo and then you get back from vacation and you're like, wow, that was $1,100. And now I'm just resentful that this is sitting on my credit card. So if you you understand what your values are and you start spending in alignment with those values versus just, you know, whatever grabs your attention, You won't build up the credit card debt in the first place and go back and look at some of your expenses. Now, shopping and eating out are probably the two biggest places that people find they can cut back because they have, first of all, no idea what they're spending there. So just do a look back for like two or three months. What was the average? What were you spending per month? And if you were spending $800 a month on restaurants, what if you dialed it back to 600? So it's not all or nothing. It's just cutting it back a little bit. And taking that extra $200 to pay down your debts more aggressively. Hmm. So that's that's a first step.
0: That's great. Do you have um, apps or any type of software programs? I know Mint was one of them, that I, and I, but I don't know how it is. I would love to know, do you have things that you recommend that might make that a little bit easier to see your spending habits? Um, or also even books that you love that would be really helpful? helpful for somebody?
1: Um, so mint is actually pretty good because okay. mint, um, does categorize stuff for you and you can set a goal that, you know, I'm going to spend, um, you know, X amount of dollars this month on eating out and it can even break it down, per, you know, per week and it'll give you an email or a text message when you're starting to to go above that. Um, Gosh, you know, there's a couple of books out there and I, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it, but it's called, it's basically the principle is the 50, 30, 20 spending plan. And it's that you should put 50% of your income towards your fixed expenses. They say 30% of your income could be your discretionary funds and 20% towards your long-term goals. Hmm. Now, I personally believe that if like you haven't really saved much for retirement, you have a lot of debt, then you don't get to spend 30% on discretionary, which is, you know, kind of your fun money. I think it needs to be flipped. That needs to only be 20%. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, maybe you even cut it back a little bit more because if you can build up an emergency fund, a lot of times you don't have to put those expenses on a credit card and it just gives you a little more security also. Um. But yeah, that I gosh, you know, maybe I can. I'll have to get a book for you. and Maybe you can stick it in the show notes because I yeah, cannot. No, that's perfect. No, I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did like a quick little search,
0: but there's if I just if you type in fifty thirty twenty spending plan, you get so much that pulls up. So it might just be this really fun. Like there's spreadsheets you can get and um, kind of budget calculators that you can get. So that's a perfect place for people to
1: start. I love that. Well, and can I just add that if. 70% of Americans don't or won't keep a budget. If this kind of goes back to, um, you know, how to set goals. Are you setting a goal for service? Or are you setting a goal for money? If you can't really track the money, if that's just proving too hard and you keep blowing the budget, I would say just choose a number that I'm only going to eat out for lunch twice a week. I'm only going to go to a restaurant once a week. So, um, if you can create a goal like that, that's a way to keep your expenses under control without having to track every penny.
0: That's perfect. I love that. That That's something Bradford and I, because we just, you know, when you start dating somebody, you're like, date life. I just want to <laughs> hang out. Hi, let's go. We're going to go here. Let's try this restaurant. Let's try this. And then we just were like, oh my gosh, we do this entirely too much. Not just because you're out of control of what the oil is that they cook in or, you know, yeah, the salt, the ingredients, like all of it, you know, you never know, but it was more of just the principle of like, why don't we cook more? We love cooking. Like, let's just make this thing. So that's been something fun, but it's more of a time thing versus a monetary thing. We were like, let's, instead of thinking of it in that way, which makes us feel restricted and kind of put in a box because we're rebels, right? We don't want to think restrictions or rules but the the number the frequency was really helpful for us, so I, I agree with that, yeah. Well, Amy, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I know I'm going to see you February 20th for Capital One Cafe event here in Denver. So this is free to anybody that wants to come on February 20th. I talked about it in the intro and also in the show notes if you want a little bit more info, but that's also where you are, Amy. And I think this, I mean, I'm just so impressed with all the blogs that you have on amywestbrook.com. This is really kind of your hub. Is there anywhere else that you want people to go besides the Money Mojo blog? blog, um, in that website, what's, what's your best social, social media account?
1: Yeah. Well, I keep a lot of cool stuff on my website, but, um, all of my social media accounts, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of them are, um, money, mojo coach. I love it. This has been so good. I am. Um,
0: I'm sure there's going to be lots of follow up questions. So I should just keep them going, and then may, may, we'll do a quick little Q A when I see you in February.
1: <laughs> that that we could totally do that.
0: <laughs> so I love it. If you have questions, anybody, send them our way. Post them in the Facebook group. Uh, let us know that you're listening to us talking on this podcast. Let us know if it helped, and um, thank you again, Amy. For sure.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun. Yay.
0: Same.